What's up, Red Rocks? You sound good. You look good. Tell your neighbors, say, you look good. Tell your neighbors, say, I saw you in the lobby and I was hoping I'd sit next to you. Come on, single people. I'm teeing it up for you right now. Hey, so if you're watching this from one of our other locations, today may look a little bit different. It may sound a little bit different because today, for the very first time in our church's history, we are broadcasting to you live from Brussels, Belgium, back to the Denver-based locations. So what's up, Denver? Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, and both God Behind Bars campuses. And hey, Brussels, this will be fun for you. Brussels campus, can you help me welcome them to join us today at church? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> hey, forgive me. I know my voice sounds super annoying. I got sick last week. I got diagnosed with laryngitis. Um, in fact, there was a couple days last week where I couldn't talk at all. And I noticed that my wife, Jill, seemed really happy on those two days. I'm hoping the two have nothing to do with each other, but it's suspect, isn't it? Hey, so we've been in this freestyle series for most of this summer. And in this freestyle series, you guys know if this is your church, we have been, we're not necessarily just talking about one topic for many weeks in a row. We're coming up here and we're freestyling. What's on our heart right now? What is God teaching us right now? What's God walking us through right now? And we believe that then that usually pertains to a whole bunch of people in the church, doesn't it? Hey, how many of you first-time visitors with us today at all locations on both sides of the ocean? We got all kinds of visitors in this room. Make some noise. I hope whatever campus that you're at, you've already seen a sign that says, welcome home when you came in. But way more important than that, I hope you feel welcomed. And we want you to know from the bottom of our hearts at this place, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what you're going through right now, whether you feel really close to God or you say right now, I couldn't feel farther from God, whatever the case may be, we want you to know whether you're in this room or watching from somewhere else or listening from somewhere else, in this place, you're welcome. You're gonna be believed in, we're gonna love you, we're gonna value you, we're gonna accept you, and we're gonna try and push you closer to God and closer to community with other believers and, and encourage you. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. Can we make some noise one last time? <clears throat> A couple weeks ago, I started reading the book of Romans again. And because we're in this freestyle series, I really was just kind of like, I'm just going to see whatever God wants to deal with me on, and then we'll see what that looks like for us as a church family on the weekends. And there's this verse in Romans that really jumped out at me, and, and some of you are going to be real familiar with it, and I've read it many times before, but it sort of stood out to me in a new way this time, and I'm going to share that with you. If you're looking for this message later online or whatever, it's called Against All Hope. That's what today's message is, Against All Hope. And when I say that, what I mean is, Sometimes in life, when we feel hopeless, sometimes in life, when situations just start to sort of roll our way and we start to get news from different directions and we start to feel this sense of like, whoa, 
That, that is not what I intended. That is not how I thought this was going to work out. That is not my plan, right? And sometimes we find ourselves against all hope, feeling a little bit of hopeless, hopelessness. And so that's what I'm talking about. All right, so here we go. Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I read that verse and, and two things jumped out at me right up top. Number one is present sufferings. They're very real, aren't they? But they're present. They're present sufferings, which means, yes, they're real, but they're not the end of the story, are they? And oftentimes they're just the beginning. We're going to talk about that today. But our sufferings every now and then, because we're broken people living in a broken world, and it's always kind of going like this, every now and then we do go through some really tough stuff. And we get tough news and we go through times of transition. I just talked to a great friend that I've been friends with for many years here in Europe out in the hallway. And he's in the middle of transition. It happens, doesn't it? And sometimes suffering comes with it. But it's present sufferings and it's not the end of the story. Now, in this part of the world, Denver, they know present suffering. Because the Belgian Red Devils, is it too soon? The Belgian Red Devils were this close to playing in the finals for the World Cup, weren't they? And, and so last year, see, I told you guys last year, you, you start praying for the Broncos, I'm going to start praying for the Red Devils, right? You start supporting the Broncos, I'm going to start supporting the Red Devils. And so I'm watching the Belgian Red Devils play France not too long ago. And the first half looks really good, doesn't it? We got all kinds of great shots and great opportunities. We're controlling the ball. And I'm thinking, hey, I want my church family over here on this side of the ocean. I want them to know that I'm keeping up my end of the deal. So I take a picture of the TV and I post on my social media account. I'm like, let's go, Red Devils. We got your back on this side of the ocean. Post. I'm telling you the second I hit post, boom, France scores. And I'm like, oh, what have I done? I did that. I think I did that. And you would think, like, come on, man. You don't have the, you don't have the ability to jinx a team. I'm not, I'm not too sure that I don't. And, and listen, Denver, I, I'll make it, tell you the truth, too. So a few years after the church got started, I wasn't really a diehard Denver Broncos fan yet. That's our American football team. I wasn't really on board yet. I kind of felt like a bandwagon fan. I just kind of moved to the state. It's not really my team. Well... This is, I think around 2009, we get a new coach. All of a sudden, the Broncos win six straight games. Like, this is unheard of, right? And all of a sudden, I'm like, that's a pretty good time for me to become a Broncos fan, I think. And so at church, I go public with it, and I say, you know what? I declare it as of this point on, I am a Broncos fan. We lost eight of 10 games after that. So guys, I don't know if I had anything to do with this France debacle, but if I did, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Present suffering is real, but it's not the end of the story, is it? And even as something as fun as like the Red Devils and the Broncos, our respective football teams, I do, we have hope and faith for what's gonna happen next, right? But the truth is, if I could take this mic around just this room here at our Brussels campus, 
and you would start to share with me your story of what has happened in your life and what has happened with God, a whole bunch of you would say, suffering wasn't actually the end of my story. I thought it was going to be at the time, but now that I look back, that point of suffering was actually the beginning of one of the best parts of my life, of one of the best parts of the story. Wouldn't that be true? In fact, a whole bunch of you would, would, would tell stories about, yeah, there was, there was a time when, man, I was just going through it, and, and I've, I've, I'd never been more depressed, and I'd never been more sad, and I'd never been more fearful, and I'd never been more confused. I felt that against all hope feeling, and it felt like that's the end of the story, but God, right? But God got involved and look what God has done. And now you live a little bit of life and you look back and you go, that time of suffering, that wasn't the end of my story. In fact, that was the beginning of one of the best parts of my story, isn't it? Isn't that true? That's exactly the case for the guy that we're looking at today, a guy in the Bible by the name of Abraham. And if you've grown up in church, you're going to be familiar with Abraham. You're going to be familiar with a lot of his story. If you have a Bible, flip open to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. <clears throat> I won't give you too long because it's easy to find. It's the very first one in there. Genesis 12. God's about to make a promise to Abraham. It's going to be one of these things where now he's going to plant a dream in Abraham's heart, and it is going to change his focus for the rest of his life. Watch what happens. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. you ever, some of you, I know this is your story. I talked to some of you this morning that this has been your story. Every now and then, God looks at you. There's an amazing couple right now that is getting ready to transition from this campus um, back to America, to a city called Portland. And we were talking this morning, and I believe that every now and then, God does look at us, and he says, I've got something new for you. Let's go. And he takes you on this journey, and it starts to change everything, right? That's what's about to happen with Abraham. I will make you, here's the promise, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. I mean, this is a huge promise, isn't it? So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram, here it is, was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So not only is he getting this crazy promise from God, but it's coming into his life at 75 years of age. So at 75, God looks at Abram and says, you're going to start a nation. Well, he knows what that means. First, I got to have a son to carry on my name, right? And then we start this family, and then this turns into a little group and a little village and a little town, right? And then a nation. I mean, he knows that's what that means. If, if a nation of people is going to come from me, it starts with a son. Well, he's 75 years old, doesn't have a son. So this, this promise is crazy. And God says, not only am I going to start a nation of people through you, but I'm going to change the entire world with this nation, Okay. Now, for sake of time, we're going to fast forward through part of Abraham's story. We're going to fast forward 20 plus years. All right. Now, as we start to look at this, let me just ask at every location, raise your hand. Be honest. You're in church. How many of you are impatient? Yes, everyone in this room. 
almost, right? I'm impatient. If I text you and you don't text me back in like 20 seconds, I question our friendship. You know what I mean? Like I, get, I start to get all unraveled. I'm so impatient. Abraham gets this promise and waits over 20 years. Nothing's happening. No baby. No son. He's not stupid. Now he's almost 100. With man, with everything he can figure out in his own mind and in his own logic, the promise is gone. Maybe I misheard God. Maybe God didn't really make me this promise. Maybe me and my wife have been living for over 20 years hoping for something to happen that was just stupid to believe God anyways. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God's not paying attention. Maybe God doesn't have a plan, right? And come on, we know what that feels like, don't we, church? You ever feel like God puts a dream in your heart? You ever feel like God gives you some direction and you start to get really excited about it and you start to think, that's what God, that's my calling, that's my purpose, this is the dream. And then nothing? Come on, anybody ever felt that? Yeah, me too. And you start asking questions like, well, God, I thought you cared. And I thought you had a plan and, and I thought you were paying attention and you put this dream in my heart, yet I'm looking around. Other people seem to be pursuing their dreams. Other people seem to be being called by God to do good things. Other people seem to be having miracles in their life. Other people, single people, you know this, other people are meeting the right one. Some of you are trying so hard to hold out for the right person for God. And you feel like it's taking forever. And you're, you're questioning, God, are you paying attention? Am I, am I holding out for the right person and I'm wasting my time? Is that happening? And, and you start to feel lonely and you start to question the whole thing, right? And some of you are on the opposite end of that. You've, you've had relationships that haven't went right. And now you're living with this, this pain, this brokenhearted sensation of, I don't know what just happened and, and it doesn't feel like it could ever be fixed and I don't feel like it, I could ever recover. Some of you are having financial issues right now and you go, the, I, it just doesn't make sense, right? Present sufferings are real. But church, they're not the end of the story. That's the good news. And for a whole bunch of you right now, here's the truth. You can't see it yet. We got to live some life so we can look back. But what you're in the middle of right now is going to be a story that you tell over and over again as, no, no, it wasn't the end of my story. It was the beginning of one of the best parts of my life. That's Abraham. But, but what do we do in the meantime? Right? Because I believe God meant exactly what he said the present sufferings, that's not the end of the story. So what do we do in the meantime? What do I do when I'm feeling that hopelessness, that restlessness, that confusion, that fear, right? What do we do when we find ourselves against all hope? Romans 4, 18, here it is. This is what Abraham does. This is how he responds. Against all hope, Abram in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Listen, the beginning of that just jumped out at me. I kept reading it over and over again every day. Against all hope, in hope, he believed and so became. He's in the same spot that every single one of us are going to find ourselves in multiple times throughout our life. I'm standing and I'm, I'm facing against all hope eye to eye. The facts aren't right. 
The situation isn't right. What the doctor said isn't right. I'm heartbroken. I'm scared. I feel against all hope. What do we do? We do what Abraham did. Against all hope, I'm going to stand in hope. I'm going to believe in my God and know that therefore I will become what he wants me to become in Jesus' name. Can you make some noise, Brussels? We can do that. This isn't just fancy Bible talk. We can stand against all hope, and but we can still stand firm in our faith. We can stand against all hope, but in hope, I believe in the one who my hope comes from, and therefore I'm going to become what Jesus wants me to become. But we're going to have to make that decision. That's a real tough decision. Present sufferings are real. Tough decisions are real. It's not the end of the story. Oftentimes it's just the beginning. But understand this, if he doesn't make that decision while facing against all hope, he misses out on everything that God had in store for him if he chooses to walk. And the truth is we'll be tempted to walk. Let's call it what it is. Whether you've been a Christian for a week or you've been a Christian as long as you can remember, there will be times in your faith journey where you find yourself, I'm against all hope and all the information that's coming in doesn't make sense. I ought to just walk. I ought to stop believing that God's going to do something amazing in my life because it just doesn't seem to happen. I ought to stop standing on this calling. I had to stop pursuing what I thought was my calling because it must not be my calling anymore because look at how the situation is playing out and look at all the circumstances and look at every day I seem to get more information that just points to the fact that maybe you shouldn't be doing this. I'll just walk. And if Abraham had done that, he misses out on everything that God wanted to do in his life. It was because he said against all hope, now I'll stand in hope that he got to so become what God wanted him to become. Let's keep reading verses 19 and 20. <clears throat> Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. I love that. He's not saying, I'm gonna pretend. I'll just pretend it's okay. I'll just pretend God's promise is happening. I'll just pretend I'm not sad today. I'll just pretend I don't feel sick today. I'll just pretend that the dream in my heart is actually, no, no, he's not pretending anything. He says, I'll face the fact without letting my faith be weakened. You know, we can face facts and stand in faith at the same time. That's what he's doing. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Let me point out a few things right there. He was strengthened in his faith. Sometimes as Christ followers, all we get to, I, when I get together and talk with you and you go, hey, let me, how, how you doing? Look, there's, there's a difference between I'm being real with someone that's real in my life and we share life together and we hold each other accountable and like I'm sharing my heart and you share your heart and we're gonna pray for each other and strengthen each other. But there's a fine line between doing that and then everybody who will give me your focus for 30 seconds, I'll tell you how bad my day is, right? And sometimes we spend so much time focusing on and talking about everything that's going wrong and we wonder why we feel beat down. We wonder why, why we feel so weak. And here we see Abraham against all hope, standing in hope, giving glory to God. And what did it say? His strength, his faith was strengthening him. That act of I'm going to stand in hope against all hope was actually bringing him strength. 
But what we see here, and I love, he says, I'm not pretending. I'm going to face the facts. My body, if, 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 it's up to, if it's up to man to pull this off, it's impossible. My body is dead in that way. Won't work. My wife's body is dead in that way. Won't work. I'm going to face the facts, but I'm going to stand in faith at the exact same time. And for us, it looks like this. I'm gonna, the, the money isn't there. There's something going on in life, and I'll be honest, the money isn't there, and you feel confused, and it's keeping you up at night, and here's what it looks like. I'm not going to pretend I'm going to face the facts that I've got a money problem right now, but you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to stand in faith and worship my God at the same time. The relationship, it's broken. It's not there. It's non-existent. It went bad, whatever the case may be. And, and, and it hurts. And I'm not going to pretend it doesn't hurt. I'm going to face the facts. But you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to stand in faith and I'm going to worship my God at the same time. See, we can do that. That's, that's what it looks like. Here it is, church. Against all hope. I stand in hope. Why? Because I know where my hope comes from. That's how we can stand in hope when everyone else and everything else says give up and walk away. No, we can say, uh-uh, I'm going to do the Abraham thing against all hope. I'm going to stand in hope because I know where the source of my hope is. I know where it comes from. That's what allows us to do this. And, and, and so I'm, I'm reading this and I'm going, okay, I get it, and, and I see what he's doing, and he's up against it, and everything's going wrong, and he stands in faith anyways. I don't know about you, but part of me, sometimes I see some of the, the heroes of our faith stand in faith, and I go, that's good for you. I don't know if I could do that. You ever felt that? You ever felt that? Like, have you, have you ever watched someone else go through a tragedy yet their faith doesn't seem to weaken and they still talk to you about how good their God is and you still see them worshiping God and praising God, but yet things in life are falling apart. And have you ever watched them and went, I don't know if I could do that. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I felt when I was reading this. I'm like, I, I see him doing it. I see him standing up in faith while, while all the facts are falling apart. But I don't know if I could do that. How did he do that? And then I read verse 21. Here it is. Listen, here's how we do it. He was fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And if you keep reading down that section, it ends up saying, it, literally, the Bible comes right out and says, hey, and just so you know, this isn't just for Abraham. This is also for you. Because he was persuaded that God had power to do what he'd promised. And, and, I, and I started to picture it. And I started, I started to see what I think was going on. Is Abraham having these conversations in his mind the same way we do? God promised me this. And the facts aren't working out. And it's not happening. And I'm against all hope. But I want to stand in hope today. I want to I stay strong in my faith. How do I do that? I remind myself every day. My God is powerful. My God made me a promise. My God is working even when I can't see it. So now against all hope, knowing that my God is powerful. My God made me a promise. My God is working. I'll stand in faith, in hope, I'll believe. And that's, the Bible said, and he so became. I think there's so much power in reminding ourselves who we serve and where our hope comes from, especially when the chips are down, especially when life doesn't make sense, especially when there's huge challenges. We do what he did. I remind myself that my God's powerful. He gave me a promise and he's working in my life. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm reading that and I'm going, okay, but... 
He didn't give me that promise. He gave Abraham that promise about starting a nation. And all of a sudden, I keep going through Romans, and I'm like, oh, wait. Here's our promise, church, Romans 8, 28. This is what we stand on against all hope. And we know that in, what's that next word? All. Say it with me. And we know that in all, all things. That's my scariest day. That's when we get the worst news from the doctor. That's when the job makes the least amount of sense, right? On our worst day, on our best day, we know that in all things, every situation that you're going through right now, all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And all of a sudden I'm reading through and I went, that's it. See, that's my promise. That's your promise. Church family, that's our promise. When I'm against all hope in all things, I have a calling. I have a purpose. And my God promises me that he's working. That's your promise. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter how you're feeling today, no matter how bad it may seem, that's your promise. That's what you stand on today. You know, I have a call. I have a purpose. And my God is working. And when we start to understand that, I have a calling, I have a purpose, my God is working, I really can look against all hope in the eyes and decide to stand in hope, believing, and so become what God wants me to do. And you can do the exact same thing, church. Sometimes we need a really good reminder that our God has a plan, don't we? Now, can I ask you a, a question Honest question, hold on. I feel you. <clears throat> you ever had somebody tell you God has a plan? You ever been in the middle of what feels like tragedy and somebody tells you, like your life's falling apart and somebody walks over and goes, oh, don't worry, God has a plan and you want to fight them? You ever felt that? Come on, we can be honest. Oh, your whole life's falling apart. Oh my gosh, I have lunch in 15, but don't worry. God has a plan, right? I'll never forget the first time somebody said that to me. It was the first time in my life I'd ever really felt suffering, that I'd really felt tragedy and loss when it came to just in my heart and how I was focused on a dream in life. I was 18. And look, no matter how old you are, when you go through something tough, and it's the toughest thing you've ever been through up to that point, that's your definition of suffering, isn't it? That's the toughest thing I've ever been through. Well, some of you know my history, and I'm going to share a little bit of my story, but in a different way than probably you've heard before, and I have a purpose. So give me a second to tell a story as we close. I grew up in a place called Wichita, Kansas, and we grew up uh, pretty poor, and sort of as long as I can remember growing up, I always played sports, loved sports. My dream was to go away and play sports at college because in America, college can get real expensive. And we didn't have the kind of money for my parents to pay for me to go to college. But I knew if I want to get out of Wichita, Kansas, and I want to go and live in a different part of the world and chase down some dreams, I've got to figure out how to get through college. And so as a junior high kid, as a young kid, I remember thinking about this kind of stuff. Well, growing up in, in high school, I played different sports, but my best sport was what we would call soccer and you call football. 
My favorite sport would have been basketball, but what I was best at was soccer. And so I started to realize in high school growing up, I think I, think I can get someone to pay for my college by playing soccer. So that became my dream. My dream became this idea that a college would let me come there and they would pay for my whole education and I would play. Well, so we started sending out tapes, game footage of my games when I was in 11th grade. At at home, we have 12 grades and then you go to college. We started sending away some video and there was a school called NC State, North Carolina State. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina. They got back with me. They were interested. They flew me and my mom out to the college. We met the coach. They took us to a game. We spent a whole day touring the campus. I was in love with this place. And it, it wasn't legal to sign anything at that point, but he said, like, you're in. We're going we're gonna to pay you. We're going to pay for your school if you come here and play soccer. And I was like, the dream is happening. And I was like the happiest 17-year-old on the planet. And the very first game of the next season in high school, I tore my ACL, blew out my knee. And so I didn't really know what that meant. So we go to the doctor and they're like, well, you you can't play this whole season. We're going to do surgery. You're going to rehab for the rest of this year. So I call the coaches at NC State and I said, hey, here's what's happened. I've had this, uh, blew my knee out, tore my ACL. But it's okay, don't worry. I'm gonna rehab like crazy. I'm gonna work like crazy. I'll be better next year. I can't wait to come play for you next year. The coach was like, I'm sorry. We can't take that risk. No more scholarship offer. You can come here for a year and your parents could pay for it and you could try out and maybe next year, but we didn't have money for anything like that. And so all of a sudden, I'm 18 years old and the first real dream I've ever had And really, it was just tied to, I want to do something that matters. I want to do something that seems significant. And that dream died. And I knew everything I was hoping for wasn't going to happen. And I remember I went downstairs, and I'm in my room, and I'm just sobbing. I'm crying on my bed. And my mom comes in the room. And she goes, don't worry, honey. It's okay. You know what she said? God has a plan. It's the first time I remember cussing at my mom. And I started cussing. And I said, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with your God. If God had a plan for my life, if God cared, this wouldn't have happened. This isn't fair. Come on, you felt that. If God cared, this wouldn't have happened. I'll finish the story and make my point. So I ended up playing soccer at two real small colleges. The last one, in, one in Colorado, one in Kansas. I got two years of scholarship. Well, then I tore my other ACL and my other knee, and I was done. At that point, I was 30 minutes down the street from Kansas University, which you wouldn't know about it here. It's the best college in our country. We know that. And uh, so because I was 30 minutes down the street, I drove to Kansas University, and I went there, and I got in a fraternity. Well, the first week of living there, my roommate got kicked out. This other kid's roommate got kicked out. And I got partnered together with the only other kid left in the fraternity. And his name was Eric Parks. Well, Eric and I became friends. I got him in all kinds of trouble. I'm not even gonna get into that today because I have to do so much repenting. But I got him in all kinds of trouble. In our last year of college, He gives his life to Jesus, blew me away, and moves to Rockford, Illinois. I moved to Hollywood, California. A few years later, 
three years goes by, I think. One day, I'm so hopeless in life. And some of you know my past. I was a, I was a drug abuser. I sat down to take my own life one day. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Wait a second. If I do what I'm planning to do right now, if heaven and hell's real, I'm going to one of them today. And I don't, I don't know how to get in either. And I'm like, I only have one Christian friend in this entire world. I'll call him. And so I called Eric Parks. And I start crying, telling him what's going on. And he starts crying. I'm like, what are you crying for? I'm the one about to kill myself. And he's crying. And he's like, you have no idea. He's like, just next to me outside my office, there's a small group of guys right now. He goes, we've been praying for you for over two years that if you ever had a bad time, that this is the call you would make. And that week, he took me to a church service. I gave my life to God. I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I was cured of a drug addiction. He, Eric takes me to his life group at church. I met my wife there the first time he took me. Listen, because I didn't go to college where I wanted to go and all my hopes and dreams were shattered, I end up meeting a kid in a different school in Kansas. And because I did, because that path happened, what I thought was the worst day of my life and the end of my story, truth is, was the beginning of the best part of my story. And because that happened the way it did, because God was working in the middle of my suffering, see, I can look back now and go, I didn't see it. All I saw was that my life wasn't working the way I wanted. But the truth is, God had a call, God had a purpose, and he was working. And because it played out the way it did, and God went to work when I didn't know he was working, I'm saved and going to heaven. I met my wife. I have three boys, Ethan, Austin, and Ashton. I became a pastor, which shocked everybody in my life. And now I get to stand at our Brussels, Belgium campus years later and tell you how good our God is to a bunch of churches on the other side of the ocean that are doing church with us right now. Don't tell me God doesn't have a plan when you don't know it. And here's what I want to leave you with, because I know it's, this is real and life is hard sometimes. And some of you are stepping into brand new seasons right now and you're feeling like what is going on doesn't make sense and it doesn't seem fair and it feels like the end. I want you to know that God has made you a promise and you have a purpose and you have a calling and your God is working and don't you dare give up or walk away. You stay in there because one of these days you're going to turn around and you're going to look at this really tough part and you're going to look back and you're going to go, that was where God got involved and he was working the most. That was the beginning of the best parts of my story. Praise God. Brussels campus, Denver-based campuses. Would you stand up with me? Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you that you are with us right now. I thank you that you are alive and active and you're working in our lives and you're working in our situations. I thank you that people who need financial miracles right now, I pray that you would just build them up, that you would build their strength, their strength in their faith. I mean, right now in Jesus name, as we begin to worship you, that you would remind them that you're working when they can't see it. I pray for those who are stepping out into new things right now, that you give them peace. I pray for those who are having relational difficulties right now, that you would give them peace. I pray for those who feel like everyone else's dreams are happening, but mine's not. I pray right now you give them peace and you remind every single one of us, those who have had bad health reports with themselves, 
or loved ones. I pray you would give us peace right now. Come on, in Jesus' name, that God is working. God has a plan. He has a calling. He has a purpose. And he's working in our lives right now, church, even when we can't see it. And I want to ask you two questions before I close. At all locations, with everyone's eyes closed, for privacy, for just a sec, the first question is this. You know that you know that you know, I need to be reminded of this today. I need to start standing on his promise today. And, and as you slip your hand up, you're just saying, God, would you remind me today about my calling, about my purpose, and that you're working. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. At all locations, I need to be reminded of this today. God's got a purpose and a calling and he's working. Yeah, a bunch of us. The second question is this. You have not experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ yet. And you know this is my moment. You know that this is my, the Bible says God calls us into a relationship with him. And right now you can feel it. You can sense it in your heart. Right now the God of the universe is calling me. He's drawing me into a relationship with him. And right now I need to say yes to him. Right now I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins. I want to ask him to be the Lord of my life. And I want to make that decision. I want to start following Jesus today. Because not only do I need him to get involved in my life, I want heaven forever. If that's you, raise your hand right now. And I'm going to say a prayer for you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God, you see, you see where we're at. More importantly, you see where you're going to take us. I thank you for the life change that's happening right now. I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now. I thank you for the faith that is being built up right now. And God, as a church family, it is our absolute honor to worship you with music. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, amen. Church, let's worship.